listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. As always, well, back to our normal schedule, I'll say. Um, I'm your host, Don Knock. I'm joined by um, my fellow host, Prodigy. And today we are joined by a, another Apollo contributor for a, a redux of you know something we tried to do a while back and it kind of got foiled, but we're joined by the one and the only DGC. Um, Prod, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you and then DGC will... We'll, Tell the people where you can find you as well. Yeah, y'all can find me at Prodigy NBA without the Y on Twitter. Everything I do from podcasts, articles, live shows finds itself linked on there. All right. And DGC. And y'all can, can find me on Twitter at itamel 17 10 and on YouTube at Uncommon NBA Highlights, where I pretty much post the, the compilations I post on Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. And uh, of course, y'all can find me uh, at Don Knock on Twitter. And the air app um so kind of like we were talking about before a few months ago the three of us tried to do a mailbag podcast and you know we had great response we got a bunch of people to, to give us our questions and we did it turned out really good we had some some fun answers on there and right as we we're about to drop it uh the, the news came out that john wall was not going to be playing for the season so we had to scrap that entire podcast because all of our answers were now irrelevant and it's lost to, you know, lost to history. So hopefully uh, no breaking news comes out while we're doing this one. So we're able to uh, get this podcast out um, so all of y'all can, can hear what we have to say. But with that said, uh, we're going to go into our first question. It is from Nathan Fogg. Um, just a little background. I had a tweet earlier about the Windhorse podcast today um, on there. Windhorse said that the Rockets are involved in uh, trade discussions for Ben Simmons with the Sixers, Kings, Timberwolves, and the Wolves are interested in getting Simmons. Um, the Rockets are tangentially involved. They want to kind of get some pieces back. Um, Tim McMahon said the Rockets want to slip in the deal and get an additional and get some additional ammo for the rebuild. Um, so, you know, with that background, um, Nathan Fogg sends the question, you know, how can Houston quote slip in unquote to a Simmons trade as reported Um it was mentioned it's because we can match salaries, you know, so what do y'all think Houston's involvement in a trade involving Ben Simmons would be? Um, we'll go to DGC first and then prod second. I mean, the Rockets are one of the most obvious candidates here to help facilitate trades because they have a lot of guys who other teams may be interested in and would they are not very interested in because, I mean, the Rockets are, not going to make the playoffs most likely they are in a rebuilding stage so it makes all the sense in the world to try and uh, get some return for your more experienced players um with this specifically like one where we, where it makes sense is say Torren prince from the timberwolves who are also involved in these talks so i'm sure the sixers don't have much interest in him and they probably have more interest in eric gordon who's a guy who can really help them in the playoffs so maybe the Rockets get Prince and Jake Lehman or someone from the Sixers, and then they send pre, they send Gordon to to, the, to Philly, and then Philly sends out a first. I mean, the Rockets have such a long list of guys or veterans like Daniel Tice, like 
Daniel House, they have many guys who, who can really be had for a non-significant price. And I'm sure that it probably won't end up being a significant trade. But I'm going to assume that if a trade ends up being done with Ben Simmons and the Rockets are involved, they probably get some level of draft compensation and they manage to free up a roster spot so they can sign Garrison Matthews to a long-term deal. Rod, go ahead. Yeah, um, I feel like something that's really worth pointing out is all the franchises mentioned on that report are franchises whose GMs were a part of the Houston front office at the same time at some point. So uh, on that podcast, Brian Windhorst called it the Maury Quadrangle. Um, I don't think that's going to stick, but you know, that was referenced on there as well, that you know, those are all Maury GM tree guys, right? So, Yeah, so it makes sense why in such a, a tough position that Maury is in, he would turn to the people he knows, not that he can trust because everyone's trying to pull for their own side, but people that could help him in a bad situation. And in that sense, I think the Rockets could easily get involved uh, it probably will be by trading Gordon for one of the mid salaries that will probably be floating around in that trade, be it uh, Malik Beasley or Torian Prince or Patrick Beverly or even Danny Green. Um, one of the one of those guys or two of those guys would likely be coming to the Rockets, and those are really low value players on the market right now, either because they're expirings or because they're not having the best of seasons. Uh, and the Rockets would send Eric Gordon, maybe Daniel House to to one of one or two of the other teams and get what I would expect to be a late first round pick in return. Um, it's interesting that they mentioned the Kings being involved because during the last week, De'Aaron uh, um, Fox has been mentioned a lot as someone who might be available, either him or, or Tyrese Halliburton. And if I'm not sure what the Kings are trying to do, but De'Aaron Fox does fit the 76ers description of a player that is near all-star caliber or could be all-star caliber and so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe a Simmons to the Wolves De'Aaron Fox to the Sixers and then the draft capital to the Kings with the, the Rockets turning in and taking one of the one of those mid-salaries from either the Timberwolves or the 76ers and getting a late first in return that's what I would expect um, it would also line up with a lot of rumors that we've been hearing about how Eric Gordon trade talks have been picking up, how Jordan Fox has been uh, maybe not, according to his press conference, not too, too sure on wanting to be on the Kings. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's a deal that's been coming for a long time because I mean, the Simmons saga has got to be the longest one currently in the NBA. That You raise a good point about Fox there. You know, I heard a lot of people on Twitter that were like, you know, get Fox to Houston. We already have KPJ and, and you know, with Shingun doing so much creation. I, I don't I don't necessarily love that fit. You know, Fox is obviously a guy who is from Houston. Um, there's a lot of Houston homerism that goes on, right? We love Armani Brooks because he played here. We love Gerald Green um, because he's from here. And, and even Daniel House, right? I kind of touched on that a while back. Like, people want to like Daniel House because he's from Houston. But, you know, because of all the things that transpire, it's just a little different. But um, I think – Fox going back to Philly, that, that really is an interesting angle I hadn't thought about yet. So a lot to unpack there for sure, but I think there could be some some seeds being planted that direction for sure. And if the Rockets can, like we said, get some piece back, you know, I'm not crazy about Marvin Bagley. 
Um, but he is an interesting redraft guy. I think if if you can kind of clear a little bit of salary cap and get him as you know like a flyer, just yeah. kind of take a chance on him. I, I would be interested in something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. A, a good point is um, Ben Simmons is making five million more than Darren Fox, which means it works on a straight up basis. But it also helps in the sense that Ben Simmons plus Danny Green, whatever Danny Green goes in this trade, is enough salary to get back Darren Fox and Eric Gordon, and the Sixers with Mori as DM, someone that already knows Gordon, could really be one of those places that knows Gordon's value and would probably give up their own first this year, which is more than likely late for a guy like Gordon. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it's been hashed out a number of times here, but you know, Eric Gordon having just an incredible season um, for him. So, yeah, I think a lot to, to ponder there. We're going to move on to our next uh, question here. And this is... Um, we're going to start with one player specifically, and then we're going to kind of transition into uh, a lot of the young guys as a whole. But our, our next question is from Rob Dover at board underscore Trevor. Where do you see Josh Christopher in four years time? Um, do you think he's with the Rockets traded away or out of the league? Um, I'm just going to open up with, I don't think Josh Christopher is going to be out of the league. So we're going to scratch that one, but um, prod, we'll just jump right back to you. Where do you see Christopher in four years? In four years, when he do we mean the year before he needs to get extended, or the year, or this is an after he needs to get extended? So I think I, I think go post, way, go post extension. I think it's more interesting. Go post. I think he he'll still be here because first of all, he has he's a really good locker room presence. We know he's really he's close with Albert Lingwood. We know he's a childhood friend of Danny Green. So from a from a relationships standpoint, it makes sense to keep him. And he's been one of the most improved rookies on this roster since the beginning of the season. He's gone from someone who just looked lost out there to someone, to someone who plays with a lot of energy, someone who's been shooting, I think, 40% from three, someone who's been playing great defense on some of the best players in the league. Even if he got cooked by Trey Young, that's not really the arc that you're trying to have him guard. Um, but we, we we saw how how good of a job he made he did on James Harden. So worst case scenario, he could be a really useful uh, role player who can defend and shoot threes, and that's the name of the game uh, in this league right now. And best case scenario, he becomes someone you trust as your sixth man. So I think no matter what, he's someone who's well liked and someone who's improved so much so far that you make you think that he'll stay here. Uh, you know, he could in- inherit that Eric Gordon role if Eric Gordon were to be moved, right? Uh, DGC, you know, same same question over to you. Where do you see Christopher Ryan in four years? Yeah, it's really interesting with Christopher because, I mean, he's shown a lot of good stuff and bad stuff so far. In his, I mean, he's played like 200 minutes this season and they've been very exciting. Um, I think Christopher will be, I if I have to guess, I'm going to say he's going to be a good all-around player who may not be very great at everything, at a single thing. I mean, his defense, like there are matchups like James Harden. James Harden isn't quick, but he's kind of strong, but it kind of is very strong. And just Christopher hands and his ability to stay in front, he handled that matchup very well. But against Trey Young, or against smaller, quicker guards, he may struggle. So I think Josh Christopher is going to be a, a pretty good connective piece, I want to say, like off the bench or maybe starting just as a guy who he can get, put the ball in the basket and in many situations. He can come off screens. He can be the ball handler in pick and roll. He can make some reads. He can really, he, he won't be the guy you want to run your offense for or something like that. 
but it's gonna help connect uh, on both sides of the floor. He's gonna be a great uh, player on defense just with effort and his, uh, if ever his ability to recover and contest and really how active he is off the ball. So I, do, so I imagine he will be most likely a good role player, either starting caliber or coming off the bench or something like that. Um, really a great asset to a great asset to have for every team. So I pulled a clip that I had um, kind of thrown together of Christopher pre-draft of kind of some of his shot creation type stuff, and I was watching that yesterday after he had you know another good game uh, recently, and you know in college he shot. I think 30%, 30.5% from three. And then right now with the Rockets, obviously he's shooting a lot less, but, um, you know, currently shooting 43% from three. So obviously one of the issues was he had a super high usage at Arizona State and he's had to scale that back a lot. But, you know, he has extended his range and, and seems more consistent shooting from deep. And he had some tough attempts in the last couple of games. He, he was taking, you know, off the dribble, um, contested type threes or, or space created threes. So, you know, I was someone who was a little bit higher than probably the general consensus coming in on Christopher. Uh, I had done a little bit of scouting on him and you know, people, he came in and it was like, Oh, this is Jalen green's friend. Well, you know, Josh, Christopher ah, that was, was awful, dude. Josh, Josh Christopher was like a top 10 guy at a certain point. Right. And he went to Arizona state and they kind of had a clunky season. Um, there was just a lot going on with that program that, that wasn't, wasn't right. But, you know, he's really shown a lot this year and, you know, to prod's point, if he could take on that Eric Gordon type of role, um, I think that would be great. Uh, where do I see him in four years? You know, I, I kind of see his tracks diverging a little bit. He could, you know, continue to improve the way he has and maybe even be, you know, like an, an elite type guy. Um, and, you know, the Rockets are going to have him for seven years under contract if, if they want him because, you know, with the rookie extension, things like that. But uh, I think, right now he's he's trending more towards the upper range of like what i thought uh he would be coming out so you know things looking really good for christopher i, I don't think he's gonna be out of the league like i said before um what i what i hope he'll be you know either battling for a starting spot or you know one of the best six men in the league uh, in the next four years so that's kind of where i see it but we're gonna move on to our next question uh that is from let me see okay so our next question is um rank all rookies on the Rockets in terms of upside. Uh, so that was from one sec. Dr. Bing Bong. Want to shout him out? Bing Bong. There he goes. There's your uh, New York New York accent for me. But uh, did you see we'll go to you first. Rank all the Rockets rookies in terms of upside. And then uh, we actually kind of talked about this. We're going to rank um, KPJ Armani and KJ as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just also Christopher also is uh, involved here. I just wanted to yeah. say about his development this season that, I mean, he's been a different guy than I expected. I mean, you saw him really take a lot of frees off the dribble in college, and he hasn't done that a lot. We've seen his decision making be very erratic in college, and in the NBA, he's been. The opposite. I mean, his decision making, like objectively, it's been fine. At the very least, it's been fine, which is very impressive to see from a guy and who's that. And that was his biggest weakness. Uh, so, and he's finishing. He's finished more with his left, with his offhand, 
than he did with his right. I don't remember him shooting floaters in college. I saw it in the G League, in the NBA. So he's done a lot of interesting things that we haven't seen before. In, so it's be, it will be interesting to see how far he develops all of it because the more web, ways he has to score, the better. And regarding the rookies, um, you know, we extended this question to KJ and KPJ because it would be kind of easy to rank the rookies. It would kind of be just where they were drafted. But I think Jane and Green versus Shangun might be like a real debate at this point regarding upside. I'm still going to stick with Green just lightly because I do believe like what he showed with proper spacing and what, you know, pre-draft fa- stuff, they still matter more than like 20 games in the NBA. But Shangun, just the way his instincts on defense, the footwork, the way he's been able to be to play very well in nearly every game, no matter of the circum- circumstances, like without even a shot with, with bad team, like with teammates, like playing with DJ Augustine on defense or playing with non-shooters on offense, he's still been able to f- find open guys to really facilitate a great offense, mostly playing Shangun ball, really. So I would have Jalen Green one, and then Shangun is a close two. Then with a small, you know, if, if, like that would be my first tier. My second tier would probably be with Usman Garuba. I am personally very high on Garuba. I was coming into the draft as well as a guy who can be a mini Draymond, kind of. Not, not even mini, they're the same size. I mean, with his defensive in- instincts, his molo. I mean, there was an instance in the G League where he, he got so mad at himself for botching a coverage where he, <laughs> he just like, punched, punched the, the backboard or some, something that, like, and he had to be pulled from the game because he was so upset. I mean, the way he just cares about the game, kind of, and the way he wants to get better, his passing skills. I mean, I think he's, he's very well offensively, and on defense, he also needs to get better. He reaches too much. He gambles sometimes on the wrong things. He gets blown by a lot. So, But I think the potential of a great defender, good passer, all of that's very intriguing. I would have then KPJ. Also, Claude, I think KPJ, great pass this season. He's been good defensively, like even by the on-off numbers, the defense has been significantly better with him on the court. Uh, on offense, the shooting is disappointed. He has to be efficient and it has a mean this season, but the playmaking, it took another step forward, like big time with, I mean, connection with food, finding shooters, just a big progression mid-season. So I think the jury is still out on him. Then I would say with KJ, I mean, I'm a, KJ and Christopher, they're also kind of tied for me in a way that KJ is, I mean, just he's so impactful at this point. And Christopher, there's also a lot of unknown with him, like how much he's going to develop, but they're practically practically tied for me. I guess I'm going to give the edge to Christopher just by a tiny bit. And then right behind there, it's the one guy who was left, the two guys, Dacian Nix and Armani Brooks, who Armani... I think it's a money he might stay in the league for a while. And but if it's purely ranking by upside, I don't think the upside is so great as his his flow, really, because you know he's gonna shoot well, but it remains to be seen how well he does other things. And Nick's we gotta play put it, see him in the NBA first, so I'm putting him last for now. Did did you rank KPJ? I think I'm did I miss it? Or yeah, um, after Garuba. Yeah, uh, fourth. fourth. 
Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Yeah. Um, Prague, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if we were going, and, and this is a hot take, if we were going by pure upside, I would still have KPJ number one. But if we're going by uh, like realistic, reasonable upside, I think right now I have uh, green number one by a slim margin. I have Sengu number two, and that's and that and then that's my my first tier as well. After that, I have KPK just because I have a lot of faith in him. I I, th- I think his shots got to be better. His attitude has got to be better. But if he if he can pull it together, I don't think there's there's many weaknesses in this game. He's shown a tremendous uh, defensive improvement, and that was a big question mark in the last year. And he's proven that it was mostly an effort thing and a, and a, and a focus thing. Um, and then after that's when it gets tough. So there's Garuba, Christopher, um, KJ Martin on the next year probably, and I would have I would have Christopher next uh, just because he's shown such great defense, he's shown such great attitude that I believe that he has what it takes to reach his full potential more than I do uh, the other two guys. I don't know, maybe maybe it's a little biased because I, I love him so much, but the fact that he can, he's shown so much improvement and that if he can uh, become a reliable, a reliable shot creator for himself, I think the sky's the limit for him as well. He's someone that is 6'5", he's really strong, he's really long. He has the right attitude, he's also really strong and he's shown that his decision-making has improved a lot. So I have him next and then after that, it's it's so tough for me to to judge Garuba just because we've seen so little of him in the NBA and the little that we've seen, it's been um, against really bad players whenever the game was just not close anymore. And I would really love to see him uh, placed against in, 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 with an actual spot on the rotation. So I'm going to save judgments on Garuba uh, until we get to, to see him and I'll just not rank him because it's too tough for me right now. So then there's KJ after that. Um, and then between Armani and and Nix, I think Nix has the higher upside. But Armani, I think I'll go with Armani just because I think he'll stay in the league the longest. And if I look back on this five years from now, or I think it's a lot more likely that Armani is still in the league versus Nix. Did I forget anyone? I don't think you did. I, I think you got so. Jalen Sangun, KPJ. Uh, Christopher, KJ, Garuba. No, not Garuba. Garuba's out. Um, Armani and Knicks. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'll give my list pretty quick. We're, we're running out of time in this first segment here. Um, so I'm going to go absolute peak upside just for fun because y'all went, you know, more realistic. So I think absolute peak upside. I think uh, KPJ is going to be number one for me. Um, second, I will have um shingun actually because i think you know shingun the passing element there is just incredible um jaylen three um four i'm actually going to go with kj uh, i think kj's athleticism you know just lets him do so many things and if he could add like a handle i think he could really do a lot of damage he, he just has he has really good feel um especially offensively right he's a really good cutter and i think that's starting to to come through even more when he's playing with uh shingun um you know, quiet is kept. I haven't really heard a lot of other, you know, Rockets podcasts or people talk about it, but the KJ Shingun pairing has looked 
really good. Just just because you know, if you cut, yeah, Chingun's gonna find you. And we saw that with with Nawaba the other night as well, right? Nawaba was able to to really function well as a cutter. Um, so after KJ, then I have Garuba. Um, you know, Garuba definitely has crazy defensive upside. His offensive game is kind of limited, um, especially when you have Shingun out there. He's probably going to be, you know, the center of the future, especially the way it looks right now. Um, I think there's some roster construction things that might limit the way he develops, but you know, I was very high on him coming in. Uh, Josh Christopher, right after Garuba. Um, I think C- Christopher, we, we will see, but I think Christopher has probably the widest range of outcomes, in my opinion. Um, I agree with that, Garuba. yeah. And then uh, Armani next, and then Nick's last. So that's my list. Um, just, you know, off the top pretty quick. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for our first segment. Um, when we come back, we're going to do a little bit more on the rookies, and then we're going to go to a little bit more of the vets. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we're back. Um, so, touched on some rookie stuff in the first segment. Here in the second segment, we're going to start again with the rookies. We have a question. Um, let me see who this question is from. This question is from Tony Adams, uh, Paulo Zone. Uh, appreciate the question. Obviously, the Rockets are rebuilding. Who are the current players who will be key players when the Rockets are contending again? Um, I think we went to DGC first last time. Uh, Prod, we'll let you go first on this one. If I mix that up, then I'm sorry. But either way, Prod, go ahead. Okay, I think uh, Sengen and Kevin Green, absolutely. You can't, you can't go around it. Um, those are the key players. But then if we want to go maybe a little bit more into it and we go players that will probably still be here, I believe... Uh, Christopher will still be here, and I believe KJ Martin will will also still be here, depending on how his three point shot develops. And then, like someone has to to fall out, so I'll let Armani fall out. I'll let Garuba fall out. Uh, uh, fall out. I'll let I don't know. KPT is a tough one because I believe in him reaching his upside, and if it did, he'd be a key. A key part but if he doesn't I don't think he'll stay here at all and I, it will ultimately depend on how much money he wants so man that's so tough because if I if I if I include KPJ then I'm pretty much just listing every single one of our young players and we all know that's just not how it works so you gotta make some tough decisions when when doing this kind of stuff so I'll leave I'll leave KPJ out because I think he's really boom or bust I mean this my the real answer here is that I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. teams, I mean you look at the Golden State Warriors roster from 2011, like it's completely different other than three key players. So I mean it's so hard. But I'm gonna say I think Shangun and Green, they're probably gonna be two key pieces who I don't anticipate leaving or getting traded anytime soon, because I think both will be very good players. And then 
I want to say, like, this is all of it here. I want to say KPJ ends up being a really good sixth man off the bench. Uh, just a guess. Uh, maybe KJ or one of KJ or Garuba maybe stick. I think Omoni actually sticks because, like, I mean, I think the, the guys with Houston ties, <laughs> they stick. Because, like, KPJ, I think he really like likes Houston, how the Rockets gave him a second chance. So, and I think he will take any role that he needs to take to remain and to contribute and to be on a good team here and play with his guys here. So I want to say that KPJ and KJ stay, but and like stick for a long one. The truth is, out of like, we have like eight players, well, 23 and younger. The odds are that like three will actually remain, which is kind of scary to think about. But I guess we'll find out. I mean, you never know. Like, some guy right now who seems untouchable, like maybe Zion, is actually healthy in two years, but he wants out. So, the Rockets trade a lot for Zion. Maybe Jamal Rent, who was, was tied with KPJ and Josh, and Josh Christopher and Jalen Green. Like, maybe he's available and the Rockets trade a lot for him. Like, it's impossible to know. I just wish we could keep this team and win together, but who knows? All right, so... Our next question is from B Lima, another Apollo guy. Appreciate your question. Uh, given Eric Gordon's health issues in his career, do you think the Rockets will look to trade him prior to the February February 10th trade deadline while his value is still high? Uh, DGC will go with you first and then go over to Prime. I like the question a lot, personally, because it's, it's something I've been thinking about as well. And here's a crazy stat for you, kind of. It feels crazy to me. Last season, the Rockets played, every Gordon played 27th games. And in his 27th game, he got injured and was out for the remainder of the season. Right now, every Gordon has played 24 games. So, like, I want to get a really good return for every Gordon because I feel like he's one of the best players in the league who is really a six-man, like, in his score. Right now, he's not coming off the bench because of the injuries. But like if you if you were coming off the bench, there are like maybe three players who are better than him at his role. Even like, even that may be a reach because he can defend, he can slash, he can shoot. He's really good. And I want the best for him as well. I want him to go to the best team. I want him to team up and win a championship. But personally, like if a first round pick, even if it's lottery protected, if it's available, I will take it and run right now. Like I think the Rockets will also try now like we're, we're seeing them in, in talks for Ben Simmons trades and we're seeing them trying to free up a roster spot for Garrison Matthews. I think the Rockets are also aware that Eric Gordon is kind of made of glass, at least recently. And it's better not to take a risk because the odds that you will get a much better return at the deadline than you do now, they are pretty slim. So I think the Rockets agree with me here and they probably try and trade him like earlier. But it's really it's it's a really interesting question of risk management versus like potential reward. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Prague, go ahead. Yeah, um, I I'm with DTC here. I think if you can get into a Ben Simmons trade, then you can get any first, literally any first. Out of Eric Gordon, I think you have to do it. I think if we, you asked that of us last year, we would have done it right away. I think where his performance right now, like his efficiency numbers are, are, are off the charts good. And I think that's a fluke. 
and I think you gotta sell high because a guy like Eric Gordon, who's uh, I think 32 or 33, is really likely to get injured again. And I know it's tough. I know the fans hate to trade a player that is good, but when you're a rebuilding team, you've gotta capitalize on selling a player when his value is at its highest. Even if he's playing well and he's helping your team a lot, you've gotta have the like. You gotta have cold blood and and trade them anyway because even even though it will be tough on the fans, it, it's it's the right thing to do because you're not going to be good during the the duration of Gordon's contract and even if you were on the last year he'd be way too old to contribute. Um, but but and it's it's way too big of a risk and like like Edamar just said, what you're going to get at the deadline even if he keeps up this production. It's not going to be a, the max you're going to get extra is an extra second round pick, and it's not worth the risk because if he gets injured, you're you're not going to get anything, and you're going to have to play this game again last year. And imagine he comes into last last year, no, next year, and imagine he comes into next year and doesn't look nearly as good. All of a sudden, nobody wants him, and you can't get anything for him anymore. So, I think Gordon's one of those guys that he has to play to show he's healthy for someone to be interested. And he's doing that right now. So if he if he gets injured again, he likely doesn't get the time. And even if he does, he likely won't be as good. Yeah, just personally, I think moving Eric Gordon as quickly as possible is the, the good thing to do. Not only from the Rockets' standpoint, right? You know, looking at it from Eric Gordon's standpoint, it's not as much fun being around, you know, a rebuilding team, even though the team is starting to look better and they're starting to play better and things like that. He's having to do a lot of lifting. And, and we saw you know, James Harden last year was like, I don't want to do this amount of lifting that I have to do to carry this type of team. And Eric Gordon, who was drafted, you know, he was drafted very high in the first round, but never really was that guy that, you know, was going to be a LeBron character, right? Where I'm doing everything for this team. Um, so I could see him, wanting to be in a more competitive situation where he can not necessarily do less, but, you know, just more kind of play, play to his strengths and not have to do this much heavy lifting. And you know, I'm sure he knows as well, right. The, the amount of usage he has to do right now is not good for his health either. And if, if he wants to, you know, end up on a, a team that's in a more competitive situation this year, getting there quickly will be just better for everyone. So definitely agree with, with those positions on Gordon and, Transitioning to our next question from Cal99131. What do we do with David Nawaba? Um, Prob will go to you first and then DGC next. That's such, such a weird question because we signed up to the steal and it didn't make a lot of sense. I, I tried to frame it in my mind that he was going to be a mentor for these young guards because he's the same size. He's going to like try to instill this defensive culture. But the fact is, his defense, apart from one game or two games, has not been nearly the same that he was the year before. His shooting has been awful. He he's really tunnel visioned in transition, and pretty much in all in all facets of the game. It I don't think we could get anything from him, so we can't really trade him. He's making five million this year, five million next year with the team option after that. So no no one wants that contract, and we we won't be waiving a player making that much guaranteed money in the future. So it, you just have to keep him on the roster and hope he doesn't make too much noise trying to get playing time because he really hasn't deserved it and he's not as big a part of the future. 
to to really get that those minutes. <laughs> so yeah, about Navi, if someone wants him, you'd give him away for free. But I doubt anyone does. Yeah. Man, I want to be like clear. Last year, David Nwaba was good. Like, he carried the Rockets plus-minus-wise. When he stepped onto the court, like he with Tate, I mean, they crushed him on the defensive end. They ran in transition. They crushed to the rim. And they ran to the Like, they were really good. And this year, like, I just finished re-watching the Rockets-Knicks game a couple hours ago. And there were two, he played like like five minutes or so. And there were two two plays in the in his second stint, so in the end of the third and start of the fourth, where he just doesn't make the extra effort sometimes. And it's annoying because, dude, that's why you're here. Like, I want you to run around and defense and do everything and all of that because that's why you got this deal because you were amazing on defense and you disturbed offenses like on a possession like every time. But with Fenwaba, I mean, you just kind of hope that he returns to it, he figures it out. I definitely wouldn't want to trade a second-round pick to dump him or something like that. Because, like, even seeing how low the, the Rockets are on second-round draft picks, you just keep him around. Like, five mil is not that much. Hopefully, when the Rockets are trying to win, like, maybe next year they're actually trying to make the play-in tournament, maybe then... And Waba, you know, he will actually go back to his ways of being a good contributor. I mean, in the Hawks game, it was, it was fantastic. So, like, not all hope is lost. He just, just had a really difficult start of the season. And I hope he yeah. can pick it up because that seems like the only option right now. Yeah, and there's another thing that I wanted to bring up. So, why did the Rockets give him this contract? In my view, he probably was trying his ass off last year because he was coming off an injury. And if it didn't, he wasn't getting a next contract in the NBA more than likely. And the Rockets, back when they signed him, they signed him while he was injured. So they gave him a little bit of extra money for the second half of the season. And then they had a team option for the year after, which they picked up. And he, during all that time, you could tell he was hustling his ass off because that was it for him. If it didn't work out, then he was getting another contract. And now that he does, it, it really feels like he's relaxing. And him relaxing isn't even that bad because the contract is really versatile. It's five million this year, um, and this year we likely don't need uh, his salary for anything. And it's five million next year with a team option. And if you reach next year and you need five million to to salary match in the trade, that's a really versatile yeah. salary to 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 reach mid level salaries with with some other guys. So. And it will next year. It will basically act as an expiring with maximum flexibility. So if he if he does good for whatever team he gets to, the team has that option to 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 pick up the next year. So it's basically next. They they sign them if he plays good, nice. If he doesn't next year, you're just a human trade exception with the team option at the end of your deal. I have, we have a fun question here from Anthony Duckett. <laughs> How can we stop people who don't watch the Rockets from throwing shade at them? Uh, do either of y'all want to chime in on this? Y'all, let me let me take this one. I mean, you you hope people become smarter or you stop reacting to them because most of I, I bet you most of these guys know their takes are done by they're just doing it because we react to literally everything or really like unite as as a fan base and we go after all of these people. And when they hear on the Rockets, it's probably the most engagement they'll get in the entire month. So, yeah. Did you see, you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I mean, 
I think for that to stop happen, what needs to is the rocket need to stop being relevant, and that just won't happen because <laughs> so it's just gonna keep on keep on happening. That's a good point. So my response to this question is: we just ratio them to Bolivia every time they say one of these dumb things. I I think you know it's not a perfect strategy, but. It did work with Eddie Johnson. So we have that going for us. That's one feather uh, in my cap. And, <laughs> and I am happy to try it again as many, many times as we need to. But uh, that's going to do it for our second segment. When we come back, we're going to touch on the draft a little bit and you know some of the future, future picks and, and things of that nature. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for our final segment. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And welcome back for our final segment here um, with Prod and DGC. Our next question is from Dids. In you all's opinion... What rookie from the upcoming draft will fit the best with our future core of KPJ, Green, and Shingoon? And DGC will go to you first. I mean, if you're looking, uh, it really depends on the range you're looking for. Um, but let's say the top, because the Rockets are pretty likely to finish at the top. Uh, Jabari Smith is, like, even for, for every team, you, you purely think about fit, and Jabari Smith is your answer. I mean, the guy is like is is a great defender on the ball. He's six ten. He can guard any position. And I mean, it is in college. He's done an excellent job in doing that. He's a very good shooter. He can shoot off one dribbles, two dribbles. He, he shoots over over smaller guys like he's Kevin Durant sometimes. And so, just look at fit like Jabari Smith. He the Rockets right now, like from the young course perspective, they need defense and they need shooting. And Jabari Smith would really help on both areas. But if you're looking a bit slower, like let's say the Rockets get the sixth pick or the seventh pick, and Jabari Smith is off the board, and Baldwin Jr. is also off the board, who's kind of a similar player to Jabari Smith, but without all the effort and the enthusiasm. So AJ Griffin, <laughs> who has been boarding for, boarding for Duke lately, he also is a great option. Is a guy who's a great shooter. He can fill the gaps really well, and he is potentially upside for to being a star because he was so good in high school. Like he was in the first overall pick considerations, and then he got injured and hasn't played a lot up to this point. And there's also Caleb Houston. In general, guys who who shoot well and who have size. That's probably if you're looking to draft a need. That's probably the biggest need. Benedict Mafferwin too. Like guys who can shoot and defend and do some other stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, you really can't disagree. Uh, on In the top five, the guy is uh, Tlavari Smith Jr. He's, I'm not sure it's arguable whether he's the best player or not, but if he's not the best, for me, he's second best locked in. Um, is not worse than that. I think he's clearly better than Tlet, and he will be clearly better than Tlet in the league. And I mean, for all the reasons that Adam Martin said, he, I'll frame it to you like this. He's basically Christian Wood without most of Christian Wood's problems. He's stronger than Wood. He's faster than Wood. He's way better perimeter defender than Wood. And I believe, and this is at 19 years old. He already has a better frame. He's 18. a better shooter. He's 
18, yeah. I mean, I, I, I usually... like the youngest player, so that's why it's so intriguing too. Yeah, I, I usually like talk the age they'll be coming into the NBA, so that's what I meant. Yeah. He's he's a better shooter while not having the free throw issues, so it usually you, you try to to judge, to judge shooting by, by the form, by the type of threes he's having, and then you try to back that up with his free throw percentage. He's shooting 83% from the white. So it's really, it's the perfect fit for any NBA team ever. Just like Christian Wood fits on any team, Jamari fits even more because he's Christian Wood with better perimeter defense. I believe he can develop to be um, a better weak side defender, which is really what you need uh, when you're playing with Sengun. And he's someone who can play off the ball really effectively with an on-the-ball game that is, is improving and I believe will improve at the NBA level. If you think you're excited about if you think Christian Wood and Sengun work because you're excited about Christian Wood cutting on offense and, and spotting up and, and spacing the fourth for Sengun, Jabari Smith does the exact same stuff with better defense, with a better frame, with five less years of age. So you can disguise the limit for him. And then if you, if you want to talk outside of the top five. Oh, hold on, hold really... on, hold on. We, got, we have another. We'll, we'll address that in a little bit. Probably. Um... Okay, gotcha. We want to do our, our second question, then we'll, we'll come back to the five through eight in a little bit. So our next question is um, from Josh Wells at the Coach Wells. With the Rockets obviously being sellers at the trade deadline, what do you want more in the trade package? Future first round picks, first round picks in this upcoming draft, or young players slash expiring contracts? And Prod, you'd want to take this one, so so go ahead, man. I, I had to take a break from Twitter today because I was discussing this stuff and people were triggering me. I'm calling you out, Alan. If you if you listen to our pods, I'm talking about you. Man, you've got a target. First of all, you've got a target first-round picks regardless of the draft. Um, ideally, you target first-round picks in this draft because they're more flexible. Think about first-round picks and why do I want that over young a young player. Um, <laughs> a young player. Usually, if a team is giving is giving up on a young player, it's because he's on the third or the fourth year of his contract, and he's about to get paid. And the team either doesn't know what to pay him, or doesn't want to pay him as much because they're in the luxury ta- they'll be in the luxury tax like the Hawks. So, if you take a young prospect, you have two years max to make a decision, or maybe in this case, one year and one year and a half, and that cuts your flexibility down a lot. The good thing about first round picks is, even though they're um, more of a question mark, they work like money, because even though a first round pick might be this year, there's nothing saying that you can't trade it for a first round pick next year or eight years from now, or you can do this every year for eight years because there's always someone trying to buy into the draft in in picks that are not, uh, I mean, from 15 upwards, everyone's trying to buy into the draft. Um, And it's it's, it's just so simple. You can never have enough picks. You, even if the Rockets- Thunder might try to see if that is true or not because they have basically all the picks. We're not close to the Thunder, but the pe- people like to bring that up because they count the swaps as extra picks. Yeah. They are not extra picks. They're the best pick of our pick and Brooklyn's pick. So that's not an extra pick. The Rockets until 2027 have two extra picks than your average team that hasn't traded a single first round pick has. They have one pick per year and they have two extras. And those two extras are Milwaukee, which is a late first, and Brooklyn this year, which is another late first. 
so a, a big function of that, right, is that we gave away some of our picks in the Russell Westbrook trade. So some of that Brooklyn deal was getting picks back that we had traded away originally, right? Yeah, so for a rebuilding team, we don't have that many picks at all. We just gave up two for Sangoon. And the Pelicans have more picks than we do. So when you were talking about picks and you want to use, everyone says you want to use them for a a star trade. You've got to be at a competitive level and we're not competitive with the Thunder or the Pelicans who are two up and coming teams when it comes to trading for a star, when it comes to how many picks they have, how much value they have. So I think you ultimately, and Raphael Stone has shown this to be true time and time again. You want picks because they're the most flexible asset and I'm sure when it comes to selling on some of these vets that's what Stone will do yeah I mean uh, I think Paul was he told me this like at the very beginning like a couple uh, some time ago that you want to get picks and then like if you're training the vets now and you're training like the, the one world wolves, like actually you can get a good return for them, like maybe every Gordon, Christian Wood. You want to get picks and you want to use those all assets and you want to use those assets to trade up in the next draft to get someone who's, who you think is right for you. So I am like, unless the young player, like say Moses Moody, for example, um, is available then because I think he's a perfect fit. But other than that, unless you really are high on a young player, that is somehow available for you in a trade, then get picks and use them. You can trade for the future. You can trade up. You can select some prospects. You can do a lot of things with draft picks. And you kind of continue from there, but you just make sure you get value for what you have. And then once you're ready to contend and you also have all of those extra picks, suddenly, oh, you they, he's a nice starting point guard. He's a nice start, starting caliber power forward who's available. And now we got him and now he's a game changer in our championship or, or anything. So you get picks, you get assets, you keep them. And then it's just a good strategy where you can't really lose doing that because you're, it's always, even if like teams see that, okay, like say that Thunder, for example, where you brought up Don, like people know they are trying to trade up. So like, okay, the price may not be as high, but every other still still wants that 20 overall pick that Thunder don't. So like they're still going to get good value for it because the other teams want it, regardless of the, of the situation with the Thunder. So picks will always be valuable and that will always be what rebuilding teams should value. Yeah, and I just wanted to clear something else up. Picks don't mean drafting young players. Picks are something completely different. You can always convert a pick into a vet when you're contending. If we had a couple extra picks when we had Harden, we wouldn't have to make tough decisions like trading Clint Capel in order to get Robert Covington. We, if, if we had more picks, we wouldn't have to trade our own picks in the future like we did in the Russ Westbrook trade. Having someone else's picks is always good because you have that that you don't have the weight on your conscience that you're trading away your, your own future. So <laughs> this, con- this misconception that um, a first-round pick is a young player is completely false. And you could trade, like, trust me, this happens all the time. Pick 20 through 30, you can, or through at least 25, you can always trade it for a first from a contender the, the next year. And you can do this every year if you don't want to draft a player at that rank. So... 
and you can and even if you, and you can do this enough where you trade this year for next year for next year for next year for next year and when you're actually contending you use the the picks that you got way before they're not the same pick but you use the result of those picks to get a, a piece that might be might be key so <laughs> picks are not this fixated young guy so yeah that's that's most of what i wanted to say i think the thing going back to the thunder right is there's going to come a time where like you said we aren't at that point yet where we have so many picks we're not gonna be able to draft them all out but there's going to come a time where the thunder either can't continue to draft and roster all of those picks or um you know, they, they feel compelled, like they have to make some sort of move with them just because they have so many of them stacked up. And that's, you, you kind of want to either be in front or behind when that moment hits, because either you're going to be in competition with the Thunder and they're just going to flood some team with picks or, you know, uh, the other alternative is like you get out in front of them and you use your picks to trade in before they have a chance to, right? Because if you get into a bidding war of picks with the thunder, they're going to win that because they just have so many. So that's the thing when I bring up the thunder is that, you know, there's going to hit a, a moment where if we don't cash in our picks before they do, if we're in some sort of pick related bidding war with them, they're going to be able to outbid or conversely, right. They're going to have to just flood some team with those picks because they have enough players that they don't want to keep rostering these guys and drafting out picks that, that aren't going to be valuable at that point. So that's my thing with the Thunder. Um, but we'll move on to um, – let's see, we have – okay. We'll move on to our last question, and that is from – I think it's Wow, 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 Shingoon, um, rock, at Rockets fan Sid. Outside of the top four guys in the draft, who do you like for Houston at, at five through eight? So Prod, I know you were trying to get on this question earlier. Um, you can go ahead now and then did you see you'll you'll close this out? I mean, it's really tough because it depends on who you consider the fourth guy to be. For me, that's pretty clearly uh Jaden Ivy. So after that, you have guys like Durant who are centers that cannot fit with Sengun. You have guys like Kendall Brown, who or 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 Usman Dieng, who are uh, small forwards, but are not shooters, and we need absolutely need shooters. And then you have Jaden Hardy, which is a shooting guard that um, needs the ball in his hands. And his his IQ and his shot selection are really not great, and they overlap with Jalen Green. My favorite guy outside of the top five is Patrick Baldwin and Kennedy Chandler. But Kennedy Chandler really, really depends on how much you still believe in KPJ. If you still believe in KPJ, my favorite guy is Patrick Walden because he's a he's a shooter. He's his mentality has been put in question uh, thus far just because he doesn't throw a lot of his own before. But that could also be from him choosing. So uh, a little context: he chose to go to Milwaukee to play for his dad when he had an, uh, an offer from Duke to be an off-ball player and play with uh, uh, Adrian Griffin Jr. and uh, Banquero. So. Maybe it's because he's regretting a little bit coming to Milwaukee and he's having a really tough time. He's not, his numbers don't look great. He's not a creator, but he would really thrive in a team with Sengun, with KBK, with Kevin Green, guys that want to create. And he can, he can do your classic 3 and D, um, 3 and D role. And he can do that while being 6'10 and 
19 years old. So that's that's a really good 3 and D player that you're getting with possible upside to to become something more down the line. Uh, yeah, I mean, for on spots five and eight, it really does matter. Like Pot said, who's your top four? Like who's your fourth guy? So for me, like I mean, there's obvious for everyone. I'm pretty sure the trifecta of Jabari Smith, Chet, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Banquero. Like those are the clear top three in the draft. And then I also have IV fourth. So PBJ would be excellent at, at number five. Kennedy Chandler is someone who is easy to fall in love with when you watch him play. Just, I mean, I um, I really don't like comparing players to really good players because it just sets expectations that are kind of unfair. However, on defense, Kennedy Chandler really is Chris Paul, like with his hands, with his IQ. I mean, he's six foot tall, but his defense is somehow incredibly impactful. And he's someone who, I mean, he's scoring will be difficult in the NBA, but he's someone who I think is going to be an excellent player for long for a long time in the NBA. There's Benedict Mafuin, who I don't know about him as a creator, but as a secondary guy, as a guy who is an amazing shooter, he's a great defender, he's very long, he's very active, he's very athletic, he gets crazy putbacks, he has very good nose for the ball on rebounds. So he, does, like, he doesn't really create very well, he has like he's very good at kind of everything else, but he's really good at, like wall play. Would you rather have? Uh, there's Kendall Brown also. I mean, guys, we really it's kind of easy to look at the guys you wouldn't want, and those are guys that in the Jalen Green archetype of a pure scorer like Jalen Hardy or Johnny Davis or or Besson, who I really love Hugo Besson and watching him play. But guys who are primarily scorers. And they are play, they play the shooting position, and that like that's probably not a good fit, fit with Jalen Green. Or at the center position, where you're like I like Jalen Duwen, who's a rim runner with some passing chops, but I mean without a shot, it's probably not a good fit with Shangun. So I'm a little lower on him. Two more guys, I would actually three more guys I would like to bring up. Uh, is one of them is Jabari Walker. I mean we kind of have enough power forwards. We are, we are a good theoretical fit with Shangun, where we probably don't need Jabari, but Jabari Walker is one of, in my opinion, the most underrated sleepers in the draft. He's a guy who can get to the rim at a Yanis-like level in college. He doesn't really, he has, doesn't have a good touch around the rim, but he gets there easily. Crazy good defender, good passer, uh, an improving shooter, like I'm really high on him. AJ Griffin, like I said, is someone with some star potential, but at the very least, he'll be a very good wall player. And Nikola Jovic, Nikola Jovic, whose name is very similar to Nikola Jokic, passes a lot like Jokic sometimes. He's a great, he's excellent passing, good shot. I mean, his defense is concerning and he's not athletic, but just really good at basketball with shooting, passing. Like on offense, he's going to be an excellent player no matter what. So these are some of the guys I want to bring up. Hopefully, ideally, like the Rockets have so many picks. If they finish in that range, they trade up for the top three and then select someone there. But if they decide not to do that, those are some intriguing options. Rod, you got any, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think those are really good points. I think whoever you pick has to be a shooter, and that really limits like the three, like the, the criteria is has to be a shooter. Um, and can't overlap with Kevin Green or Sang or Sangoon. So other than that, 
<laughs> it's really easy to figure out who so far who's who fits that criteria. And I think we've mentioned a lot of them. So that's gonna do it for us today. I just want to add, you know, one thing on, you know, not not necessarily related to the um to the mailbag, but tomorrow morning when most of y'all will probably be hearing this, the Rockets play the Detroit Pistons at 11 a.m. Interesting start time, but just want to get this plug in one last time. Um, myself, Roosh Williams, Ben DeBose, Rocket Girl, and Taylor Pate are hosting a watch party at Big City Wings in um, East Downtown, the Navigation Boulevard location. We're also going to be giving away 10 pairs of tickets lower bowl to the new year's eve game against uh the miami heat so if y'all want free tickets come for that if y'all want to have some good wings that i've heard they're good i don't actually know myself so i'm not gonna uh, put my my credibility on the line there i'm a little bit of a wing snob so i'll let y'all know next time how good the wings were but if you want to to get some wings you want to get some tickets if you want to meet any of us absolutely stop by we'd love to have you i think it's going to be raining pretty hard in houston tomorrow morning so you know be mindful of, of that um if you all are traveling over to to come hang out with us but that's going to do it for us as always you know follow myself follow the pod at apollo launchpad follow the flagship apollo hou account you know subscribe to the pod rate review on apple and um spotify we've actually looked at the numbers most of y'all are listening on Apple. It's like 95% of y'all. So, uh, you know, like I said, leave a comment, leave a, a review on that. Prod, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at Prodigy NBA without the Y on Twitter. Everything I do from articles to podcasts to live shows on Twitter spaces, we'll find its, we'll find its way a link there. Absolutely. And you can find... You can find me on Twitter at Itamar with an underscore, not dash, 17 underscore 10. And on, on YouTube at Uncommon NBA Highlights, where I'll post my Twitter content, uh, some of it there. Excellent. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and the Air app, um, both at Don Knock. You can follow um, follow along when we do the spaces. Uh, we're not going to be doing a space for the next game, I think, because um, we will be doing the watch party. The spaces should be back for the, the following game, I think, um, going into next week. And that'll do it for us today. Um, as always, be safe and go Rockets.